Welcome to the 348th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on August 6, 2023. My name is Brad Galloway. I'm the editor of GameCritics.com, and today I am a captain of a one-man ship. That's right. Uh, this is one of Carlos's off weeks, so I will be doing this solo. Um, it's been a very busy week for me. Just a little bit of personal info. Um, have my in-laws visiting from out of state, which is a little bit weird. Uh, my family is still really practicing a lot of COVID protocols. Um, none of us have caught COVID yet, as far as we know, knock on wood. Uh, so we're always still masking and being really careful. So it feels a little weird to have some people in our space right now, um, especially because I know my in-laws are not quite as strict with the protocols as we are, but no one's been ill so far. Fingers crossed that continues. So that's been taking up a lot of my time. Uh, a lot of my outside non-game stuff has been keeping me busy as well. But it's nice to settle in behind the microphone here to take a minute and just kind of round up what I've been doing this week. Um, Carlos should be back next week with a pretty full slate. I know he's working on a pretty chunky game at the moment, uh, but he did not have enough to talk about right now. And I will be joining him on that same game as well. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that next week. Not going to talk about that this week. Looking at the agenda right here, I've got a pretty okay slate as far as number of games go. But i got to be honest, folks, this was not a great week for for review titles, I guess I should say, or not really full reviews, but games that we're covering here. Um, I had a couple that looked pretty promising, and unfortunately, this is one of those bummer weeks when just none of it really came together. So I am a little concerned this might be our shortest episode ever. I don't have a whole lot to say, and I'm not going to uh, pad for time. So we'll cover what we're going to cover. We'll see where we get to, and we'll just take it from there. So, all right. Thanks again for joining me, by the way. Glad that you are here. Um, all right, let's kick things off with housekeeping. Uh, this is the section where I cover random bits and pieces relating to games or the games industry, either directly or adjacently. Um, not a lot this week. Uh, quick shout out to the Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope. Uh, that's on the Switch. They just announced that there is a new DLC coming. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that Rayman is going to make an appearance. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers Rayman, but he was a 2D platforming, um, I don't want to say superstar, and I don't even want to say mascot, but he made an appearance like in, I don't know, what was it, the 90s or something, and he was popular for a while. If you don't know who Rayman is, look him up. It's very French, and as anybody who listens to this podcast knows, there's not very many French game things that connect with me, so Rayman was one of those things where I'm like, not for me, and I kind of never really... Never really clicked, although he did come out with a game recently. Well, not recently, a couple years ago. That wasn't too bad, um, and I forget the name of that one, but it was like the music-based one. That one was pretty cool. Anyway, seems like Rayman is going to be popping up in Mario plus Rabbids, and I already hate the Rabbids, so I guess why not have Rayman? That's two things that I don't like. But on a positive note, I do think the Mario plus Rabbids game overall is awesome. I've had a really good time with it. I really like it a lot. Um, it seems like sales were down. I saw some Ubisoft people saying that it didn't meet expectations. They weren't sure whether it was timing or people just, they thought it was too soon. I think Nintendo's official advice was you release the sequel too soon. Um, and Nintendo knows sequels. So maybe there was something to that. Uh, for me, I felt like it was a fine time and I had a great time with it. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure why it didn't do as well or even what as well even means, right? I mean, it could have sold 10 million copies and Ubisoft was open for 50. Who knows? So anyway, 
The Rayman in the Phantom Show DLC is going to launch for that game. If you want to play some more of that, and I do. Uh, not a free DLC. It is $15, so just heads up that that exists. Um, that's all I had as far as game announcements this week, but I do want to take a minute at the top of the show, uh, not specifically game-related here, but I didn't want to wait till the end. I wanted just to um, memorialize Paul Rubens, a.k.a. P.B. Herman, who died a couple days ago, which was a huge loss. Um, you know, I don't know uh, if you have seen a lot of Pee Wee Herman stuff. I know he's from a couple generations back, but, you know, the Pee Wee uh, Herman show on TV, Pee Wee's Big Adventure as the movie. There was even a second movie as well. Really famous, really iconic character. Um, you know, and I, and I loved his character. I loved his show. It was really wild and crazy. And uh, Paul Rubens was really good friends with John Paragon, who played John B. the Genie on the show. And I was a big fan of John Paragon as well. Um, not a lot of people remember John Paragon. I think he's still alive, I believe. Um, but he was a great comedian um, right before Pee Wee got big. And they collaborated on a lot of stuff. So I have fond memories of both of them. And uh, I'm just really sad that he's gone. Um, he had been popping up. Uh, Paul Rubens had been popping up in cameos here and there recently. It looked like he was got maybe on the verge of kind of like a little um, a Pee Wee Renaissance, perhaps. Or maybe not even Pee Wee Herman, his character himself, but just Paul Rubens, the actor. Um, he'd been here and there. And it was like a real treat to see him every time he showed up. A lot of affection for that guy. Um, and I'm just really, really sad he's gone. So um, he had a lot of effect. Very memorable. Uh, an iconic figure for many people uh, of a certain age and even people afterwards. But if you're not familiar with Pee Wee Herman, I definitely advise you to check out Pee Wee's Big Adventure. That's a great film. And uh, check out some of his old TV episodes. I believe they're available for streaming wherever you stream stuff. And uh, I'm just really, really sad that uh, he is gone. He was an actor and a performer and a character that I had a lot of affection for. And uh, he will be missed. All right, so let's take a look at what we've got on the agenda here. That's all we had for housekeeping. I'm going to move right into the main content of the show. Uh, and i got to be honest, folks, feeling a little low energy today, so I'm going to rally myself, going to rally the spirits, going to gather the waters, gather the energy, and um, we're going to get this done. Main content of the show. Okay, so full disclosure, um, I was going to try to sneak in at least one or two more games this week because I knew it was going to be a solo show. Um, I only managed four, so apologies for that. I usually try to bring at least five when I am on my own. Um, but uh, truth be told, and a little peek behind the curtain here, I'm actually playing two other games right now uh, that are both going to be serious, um, if not not Game of the Year contenders, but, but top ten for sure. And they're both still under embargo. The embargo is at least two weeks away for both of them. I think they're just like one day apart on embargoes. I'm not going to talk about them on this show. Not going to talk about them on the next show. But I will talk about them two episodes from now. And then you'll know what I was playing. They're both great. They're both wonderful. And I want to finish them both, which is a unique problem. Because uh, as you know, listening to the show, we cover a lot of games really quickly. We kind of buzz through things. And most of the stuff we cover is either fine but we don't stick with it or, you know, not great. And of course, I'm not going to stick with that. Um, we don't play, at least I don't play a lot of games where I'm like, I love it so much. I want to finish, but I have been hitting a few of those lately. And I expect that to only increase as the year goes on. And unfortunately, I mean, I guess it's a good problem to have, but unfortunately I'm playing two games right now that are both pretty sizable games that both take a lot of time and attention. And I both, I want to finish them both. Uh, so that kills my productivity. Um, so that's where all my extra time is going this week. Um, when I wasn't working, when I wasn't with the in-laws, I was playing these two games that I think are fantastic. Again, they're both under embargo. I'm not going to talk about them at all. 
not even a peep, not a mention. End. Period. Pause. Okay. In completely unrelated news, not related whatsoever, I would like to give a shout out uh, to a couple of games which I think are great and that I think that maybe you folks would want to maybe quickly revisit uh, soon. First one is Blasphemous. If you remember Blasphemous, the 2D side-scrolling Metroidvania slash Souls-like. I played it on the Switch. I think it's on everything right now. Uh, coming from, oh gosh, is it the Game Bakers? I think that's the name of their studio. I believe they're from Spain. And this was um, really rich with um, Souls-like kind of broken storytelling and amazing visuals. Amazing visuals. Uh, it's like this really Spanish cathedral. Catholicism themed dark adventure uh, wonderful combat and I hear a sequel's coming up soon don't know anything about that but I would advise anybody to check out Blasphemous it's great stuff bringing that up for no particular reason whatsoever um, the other couple of games I want to spotlight really quickly for no reason whatsoever no particular reason are Shadow Tactics and Desperados 3, both coming from Mimi Me Studios, and I believe they are a German studio. I could be wrong on that. Bringing these up for no reason, I just think they're two great games that people might want to revisit this year. Uh, Shadow Tactics and and, Bla and Desperados 2, or 3, excuse me, 3, uh, are both top-down, isometric, um, semi-turn-based, semi-real-time tactics games, but they're also heavily stealth tactics. Uh, in both of those games, you take a group of characters with different abilities and have to work your way through really dense encounters. Uh, in Shadow Tactics, I believe you had a samurai, uh, ninjas in a couple flavors, uh, a sniper who had a rifle, I believe, Tanegashima, I believe it was, rifle. Um, and in Desperados 3, it's the Wild West where you have cowboys. One guy's got two six shooters. There's a trapper who's got like a big bear trap. There's a lady with a hoop skirt who's good at disguises and so forth and so on. You use your teams to get through obstacles and achieve your goals. I love both of these games. Shadow Tactics and Desperados 3 are both, they're both so unique. I don't, I mean, I know that there's other games that are kind of similar. Um, and I think that we're probably going to get at least one or two more of that kind of game this year. Turn-based tactics, isometric, that kind of thing. Team-based. Um... But these are really good. I feel like Mimi Me is a studio at the top of its game. I feel like they know what they're doing. They got their formula down. And every time I play one of their games, I just, I want to play it all the way through. I want 100% it and I want more. So bringing those two games up for no reason whatsoever. No reason at all. I just felt like I wanted to bring these up. Apropos of nothing. So there you go. Shadow Tactics and Desperados 3. If you like your isometric, isometric tactics semi-real-time, semi-turn-based, and Blasphemous, uh, if you want a 2D, wonderful-looking, wonderfully animated, really cool and spooky Souls-like, bringing these up for no reason. Okay, moving on to the main portion of the show. Let's see here. Uh, let's look at the agenda. Okay, first game coming up is called Adore, A-D-O-R-E. This is coming from a Brazilian studio, and I believe they won a couple awards with this game. Uh, it looks kind of like a, gosh, I don't know. It's kind of a top-down isometric game, and it is a real-time action game. Um, a lot of parallels to Pokemon, where you start the game, um, there's an opening cutscene, and to be honest, I thought the opening cutscene was pretty cringe. Uh, the story seemed really um, not 
something that appealed to me very much. And I have to wonder if maybe some of the translation was losing some of the charm. I'm sure that it has uh, in Portuguese. So the story, not super in important, um, but basically you do this action stuff where you start the game and you are a little kid who's got like a staff. And what you do is you capture animals in the wild. I mean, kind of vaguely Pokemon-ish, but you're not throwing a Pokeball. Um, the animals are running around and they're attacking you and then you're running around and dodging and you're trying to like um, cast magic on them long enough to fill up a bar and then once the bar fills up, you uh, capture them and they become your teammate and they can fight for you. Uh, it maps, the game maps animals to each of the face buttons, which I think is pretty cool. And honestly, I know this is kind of a deep cut, but if you're an older gamer like me or if you are a retro gamer or if you know specifically about the GameCube, there was a game called Lost Kingdoms that came out a long time ago. I thought it was great. I loved it. And if you have a GameCube or if you want a retro play, I think Lost Kingdoms is 100% worth looking into. Um, Adore feels like it covers a lot of the same ground that Lost Kingdoms does, uh, where you have one animal mapped to each of your buttons. You walk around in real time, kind of top down. You fight other animals by, like, say, for example, you've got a little badger mapped to your A button. You hit the A button, the badger runs out, he attacks this guy, and then, um, you know, you just do that. Like, you send all your animals out to fight other animals. I mean, it's exactly like Pokemon, but no Pokeballs, top down, and the animals are there in real time. You're in the battle, in the, in the field, in the battle real time, doing things like that. So, cool idea, and that's kind of what got me into it. I love Lost Kingdoms, um, and I love the idea of doing something like that again. And I think the Pokemon concept has a lot of legs to it. Um, although I will say full disclosure, I'm not the biggest fan of Pokemon proper, but I do want to see other games kind of explore that same territory, but in different ways, not just like swapping out pixels or, you know, just doing the exact same RPG. And this seemed like a good attempt at that. So that's what got me in. I will say the game does not start off well. The opening cutscene, like I said, was kind of cringe and the opening tutorials are not great. Um, I felt like they left a lot to be explained and I kind of stumbled my way through it. That wasn't very good. I will say the game doesn't run very well on the Switch. I was playing it in docked mode and for the most part, like it was okay, but then I would get to town and like it would judder some and it just seemed to kind of be barely hanging on in some aspects. But, uh, you know, the map I don't think was great and walking around didn't feel great. And I just feel like it was just pretty rough all the way around. Um, I think I got really annoyed when I was doing some of the introductory quests, um, for example, and they're like, oh, hey, um, go to this one area and I need you to bring me back uh, like a like a leg of meat or something like that, whatever. So I'm like, OK, fine. I took my weasel and my badger and whatever I had at the time. Uh, I had like one other animal and I went out to the field. I found the leg of meat, came back and they're like, cool, here's the leg of meat. But you also need money. And I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me that? I, <laughs> you didn't say anything about that in the quest. And now I got to go back out and do that again. That's kind of irritating. So, I mean, there's nothing seriously wrong with it but it just feels very rough very unpolished um yeah i don't know i didn't stick with it very long i just felt like it wasn't really clicking with me on any level although i do appreciate the attempt and i would like to see developers kind of tackle different pokemon likes that are that are more different from pokemon than recent ones have been um so i i, I really admire the effort but this one just not for me. And it just, it, it honestly feels like it's not quite right for prime time. Um, didn't, didn't do a lot for me. So there you go. That is a door. Uh, let me see what else is on the agenda here. Oh, okay. Full quiet. 
This is a very interesting one. I think this is going to be of great interest to people who, again, are kind of retro players. If you like um, NES-style games, the original Nintendo, this one is absolutely something that should be on your radar. Now, full disclosure, I'm not much of a retro dude, uh, but I do, you know, I appreciate a good one once in a while. And I will say that Full Quiet looks like an NES retro-style game. 2D side view, uh, you know, pixel, pixel art. Um, if this had come out on the Nintendo Entertainment System back in the day, I guarantee you this one would have been blockbuster success, groundbreaking, amazing stuff. This would have been one that like everybody with a Nintendo would have played. This would have been like superstar all the way across. I mean, it's obviously leveraging some modern technology, and I don't know that the original NES would have been able to do everything that it's doing here, but it is a very faithful attempt, and if this had been back in the day, dude, it would have been bonkers, bonkers successful. Um, so basically, it's uh, it's an action game, and it reminds me a lot of like something like Metal Gear Solid 2, not not the one that you're thinking of with like Raiden and stuff. I'm talking about the original, original NES Metal Gear Solid 2 uh, Snake's Revenge, I believe it was called. Snake's Revenge, that sounds about right. There is a lot of story in this one, and uh, to be honest, I kind of like glossed through some of it, but basically, you are... There's some weird shit going down. Um, I believe your son gets kidnapped. You got to find your son. There's monsters, and you're kind of like surviving. And I mean, It feels a little bit like, like um, The Last of Us, sort of, although it's not zombies or anything like that. Just that kind of feeling of like, a dad on a mission and you're out in the world and you're, you know, surviving that kind of a, it's got kind of a Joel vibe to him, but like more 2d Nintendo actiony. Um, there's a lot of like platforming, climbing ledges, rolling, shooting. Um, it's very, very NES actiony. Uh, and I think that, uh, it does it all really well. Uh, there's also, um, a lot number of cutscenes, which I think is pretty impressive, uh, especially for an NES style game. And it feels a little bit like an open world, which sounds strange to say for a 2d Nintendo style game, but there is a, a map and it kind of shows like a Northwest East South because they are dealing with 2d. And as I mentioned, um, I want to say it was like last episode when we were talking about the game, Lisa, when you're doing a 2d game, it's really difficult to try to incorporate the third dimension by having hallways that branch off because the players just seeing 2d plane. Uh, unless it's a top-down game. And so it's really hard to contextualize where things are in relation to each other. Uh, Full Quiet takes a real good stab at that with a map that I think it works okay. Um, again, not a super fan of 2D games that try to incorporate the third dimension like this, but I think it does better than most. So I think that's fine. Lots of places to search. It's you know it's kind of like an open world in that you can kind of go wherever you want. I was spending a lot of time like running through forests and I got to this area where Clearly, I was supposed to come back later, but there was like a little mysterious hatch or something I needed to check out. And there were some clues, um, lots of clues to piece together. And there's lots of stuff to do. It feels like a really meaty, challenging adventure for somebody who wants to just like sink their teeth into something that feels like this. If you really like the NES vibe, if you like that style, um, if you remember like, you know, Snake's Revenge back in the day or any any of those um, more actiony kind of titles back on the Nintendo 8-bit system. I think this one is a really cool, a really cool game. Um, it's not exactly for me because, as I said, I'm not really like Mr. Retro, but I can see the coolness and the craft that went into this, and I'm really impressed by it. Uh, I think that if you are a Nintendo aficionado, if you like the 8-bit games, if you like that stuff, this is absolutely one that should be on your radar for sure. Uh, so that is full quiet. Check that out. Check out the trailer, too. It's going to give you a really good idea what this game is about. Uh, definitely worth checking out for you retro people. 
All right, let's see. I am blowing through my content at record speed here. Let me talk for a game called Femdemic. F-E-M-D-E-M-I-C. Uh, this was pitched as a queer-friendly, maybe a trans narrative, created by a developer who is apparently making LGBTQ stories. I can't say that for sure. Um, I'm not familiar with their work or who it was, so I don't know personally. Um, and this is a story... Uh, so, okay. So, it's a PC game. And it, as everybody knows, when I listen, to this, as you listen to the show, the only PC games I play are something that's absolutely irresistible to me. Like some amazing, you know, like if somebody had said, hey, man... Um, Death Stranding 2 is available now, only on PC. I'd be like, oh, shit, okay, maybe I will play that. So something something that would be irresistible to me or a porn game. So those are the only two things I play on PC. So this one kind of fell into the porn bucket, although not really, not exactly. Um, so this is a story about microbes, I guess, or viruses or something that are coming to Earth and they are wanting to infect the population, but something about the male, no, 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 well, I forget. Whatever. Only half of the population is able to be affected by the virus. So what the virus decides to do is infect every male on the planet and turn them female. So going from male to female in order to propagate the viral species or to, to further their plans of world domination or whatever. Um, so there's a couple different aspects to this. So when you start the game... There's two choices. There's the liberation storyline, which lists itself as either safe for work or not safe for work. But in that in that storyline, you only have female partners, uh, which I guess by the time that you change your character from male to female, that would make it a lesbian relationship. Or there is the compliance storyline, which is only NSFW and you only have male partners. Um, And in that particular storyline, I believe it says, okay, so. Um, the liberation storyline is supposed to be about trans acceptance and supporting trans people, more of a trans narrative, which I great 100% support that. I love all of my trans folks. Uh, I am 100% pro trans. So I'm like, okay, great. And that was one reason I wanted to check this game out as well. Kind of giving me a chance to talk more about that here on the show. Uh, the compliance storyline was billed by the, by the developer themselves as more of a kink storyline about forced feminization and about that kind of content not my particular kink but i'm open to checking out games and you know porn games adult oriented games i'm happy to review those or cover those whenever we get a chance and i can't think that we've ever covered forced feminization before in the show so i thought why not uh i will say that as soon as you start the game you get into the opening menu uh you have the option to see online extra stories which are just text stories which are some type of trans narrative i I clicked on those Um, But you had to like log into a website and register and stuff. And I was like, I don't want to do that. But there is apparently eight or 10 other stories that you can read. I think they're just read. I don't think there's a game attached to those. Uh, And then also, interestingly enough, you can connect a LoveSense adult toy. I don't know what that was. And I meant to Google it. Well, okay, shit. I'll just Google it right now since I can pause the show. One second. Okay. Uh, I just Googled that for a few minutes. Um, I'm going to have to scrub my search history after that apparently love sense is a company that makes a variety of sex toys both male and female and otherwise that are bluetooth and remote capable um so apparently you can attach whatever piece fits you the best and the game will somehow give you some feedback with that so that's an option i did not explore that option i don't have one of those toys just sit here with my mouse and keyboard folks um so anyway 
Uh, I didn't. Okay, jumped into the story, and I gotta say, it does not start well. I feel like that's a running theme um, for me in general, and also on the show today. It just doesn't start well. Um, the virus pops in, and it's like, hey, we're a virus. We gotta do some stuff, and it's kind of a clicker style game. I don't want to say that it's a clicker exactly. Um, but you have like this giant red screen with like a microbe on it. it looks like a, I don't know, a germ or something like that. And you have to click it a few times. And then once you click it a few times, it's like, okay, now you can level up and it'll auto click. So you don't need to wear out your finger doing that. I'm like, okay, great. Cause I wasn't going to click this thing 10,000 times. Um, and then you just look at this screen where I guess it's the bloodstream or something. It's just like a red screen with the microbe and then little boxes pop up and there's a lot of numbers. And I think that's really my biggest issue with the game right out of the gate is that it doesn't really explain what it's doing very well. Like, uh, you know, numbers start going up and I'm like, okay, so what's going on? What's, what's happening here? And there's little white boxes you click. And after a while you can kind of see like the, the boxes on the right are small increments of numbers. And once that fills up, you can click a box to the left. Once you get that one, that one clicks up in larger increments of numbers. And then once that one fills up, you click another box to the left and that one's even larger increments of numbers. So I figured it out in a few minutes. I'm like, okay, I just wait for this one to fill up. Click this, it activates the next one. I click that, that X, the next, the next one. Okay, but it doesn't give you a good sense of anything really happening. Um, on the left side of the screen, there is a very crude artistic drawing of a man, male person, male presenting person. Um, not super detailed, not super great. Feels pretty uh, low budget art. Uh, so that was kind of disappointing. Um, and the guy, the guy is fully clothed, but you can click buttons to either get a close up of his face or you can uh, take off the first layer of clothes or have him completely naked to kind of inspect the body and see what's going on. In the beginning, it's just like a regular male body. Um, so that's going on. And then you're just sitting at this screen and it's just the numbers are going. And I'm like, what's even happening? Like nothing's even happening. I'm clicking these boxes, but nothing is really changing. Nothing is really going on. And then after a while, it'll just be like level up and everything stops, which I think is kind of a problem because... With these kind of clicker games, I haven't played a million of them, but I have played a few. And it's the kind of game where, like, I want to start it. I want to see the numbers going up. And then I'm going to tab out and I'm going to go do email for a while. And I'll come back in half an hour when the meters have filled up and I've got a bunch of resources. I'll click a few more times and then I'll tab back out and do something else. But you can't do that here because when you level up by hitting a certain threshold, the game stops. And you have to click the level up button. And then it does whatever it's going to do, and then you move on. So, you know, you can start the thing and go off for like an hour or whatever and come back, and the whole game is frozen because you need to click the level up button, and it hasn't progressed. So I think that's kind of a problem because it makes you kind of want to check back uh, more often than I think I want to. And I don't think I want to check back that often because it's pretty boring. There's not a lot going on. Um, at some point, like, some narrative comes in from the virus, and it's like, oh the male's nipples are starting to get itchy. They're starting to be breast tissue growing. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's check it out. And it's just like a very simple line drawing on that character on the left side of the screen. They're not talking. They're not walking around. They're not freaking out. I mean, if I was, I mean, I am a guy <laughs> confirmed. I am a guy. If I started growing breasts like randomly, I would be having a response to that. Right. Um, I would be like, what's going on? What's happening to me? Is this a disease? Do I need to get checked out? What's happening? Um, and the person on the left has no animation, no motion. They're just sitting there with the same goofy look on their face. They don't even seem concerned or anything. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm not getting a sense that this is a real person. I'm not getting a sense that this is really anything that's happening. At some point, you have to go to 
the brain because they're like, oh, the body's um, immune system is fighting back. And I'm like, is it? Because I wouldn't have known that unless you told me that in a, in a text bubble. I don't get the sense that I'm battling anything inside the person's body. I don't get a sense that I'm changing anything. It's literally just a red screen that might be the bloodstream with numbers going up. And I'm not really quite sure what the numbers are doing. I don't, I don't see anything visually exciting happening. I don't notice any change happening. Um, nothing in terms of the visual representation is connecting with me at all. So I'm like, okay, so maybe I'm just really early on. I'll just let it run for a while. I'll come back. I'll check every half hour or so. And I did. Um, but just, there's just nothing happening here. Um, I played, I let it run for almost a day and I checked back as often as I could. So I don't know exactly how many real time hours it logged me in as because every single time I came back, it was like level up. And how long has it been a level up of screen? Has it been like three hours, four hours with nothing happening? Or like this morning I got up, I went to bed last night, got up, it was on the level up screen and it's like, you know, it, it's sitting there for five, six hours with nothing happening. Um, and my person um, has barely transformed. I feel like this is glacially paced. Uh, it's moving very, very slow and it's just not interesting. I'm not compelled to come back to it. Uh, I'm not, it's not visually interesting. It's not story interesting. Uh, there hasn't been anything spicy so far unless you count the person being naked for a minute when you check to see their physical progress. Um, there's just really nothing going on here. So, you know, as much as I'm in favor of trans narratives or about alternative kink narratives or about anything that's LGBTQ friendly, um, you know, I'm all, I'm all for that. I'm happy to cover those. If anybody listening wants to send me their game or hit me to a game they want me to cover, like, please send them in. I'm happy to do that. But this one just ain't it. This is just not it. It just feels very inert and static and dull uh, and to be perfectly frank, it just doesn't even feel like it's even remotely finished. This feels like maybe a quarter of what the full game should be. And I just, uh, I don't think I'm gonna put any more time into it. And that was kind of disappointing. So Femdemic, uh, not a great experience. Um, all right, let's see here. I think this is definitely gonna be the shortest podcast ever. Uh, the only other game I have left to cover this week is called Nova 111. This originally came out a I don't know how long ago, but I remember seeing this like on the Vita. If you remember what the Vita is, uh, love the Vita. Rest in peace, Vita. Uh, but it came out on the Vita a while ago. I believe that's where it debuted. And I played it for like a hot second back then, but it didn't click. And I saw it pop up again. I played it on the Switch now, and I think it's also on all the other platforms, which is great. And I'm like, oh, you know, I, I should revisit that. Let's see what's going on with this one again. It is a very interesting game that much like the other games I've covered today doesn't quite get where it's going but but I think more positive than most uh, basically it is a 2d side view I don't even think it's a roguelike it's kind of feels like a roguelike a little bit in terms of how you move and interact with the world in the sense that you are a small spaceship and you are in these um, levels which I guess are caverns or something uh, and you, the world is divided into a grid. So you're moving up, down, left, right on a grid. And it's kind of turn-based, which is what makes me, makes it feel a little bit like a roguelike where enemies don't move unless you move sometimes. But there's also some real-time stuff where, for example, if there's a stalactite above you and you click to the right one time, move your ship over, you're under the stalactite, the stalactite will fall in real time. So you need to actually quickly get out of that. Or there's a, a, a particular enemy. Uh, he's like a grabber. He grabs you with his tongue. He'll show up. He won't move in real time, but he'll grab you with his tongue in real time. And you have to hurry up and get over there and kill him because he's doing damage to you in real time. 
So it's a very strange blend of turn-based movement and turn-based, um, I don't know, style. Uh, but there also are a few real-time elements which really kind of threw me for a loop. I died a lot, and mostly from the stalactites or from these real-time elements where I'm like, oh, I got to hurry up and get over there. Like, in, in real time, I need to hurry up and go. Whereas everything else is simply turn-based and nothing moves unless you move. So I don't know that that completely works for me. That is really strange. But basically, you're in the ship, and I don't know what the story is. You're basically just flying around, and there are little scientists you have to rescue. Uh, they're just pickups, basically. There's not really a lot of story. There's not really any narrative to it. So you're just flying around these caverns, picking up scientists, dodging uh, enemies... You get a new power every once in a while. Like you start off with nothing, but then you get like a shield that can take one hit and that regenerates. You get a, a zapper. You get a teleport. Uh, I feel like there was one or two other things that I got. But um, yeah, you kind of just go through these levels and I just um, I like like I like the concept of side on turn based exploration in a spaceship. That's cool. We don't get a lot of sci fi roguelikes or not as many as I would like anyway. Um, but I guess I just don't get it. Uh, I feel like there's not a lot of story. I don't understand what we're doing. We're just flying around doing stuff. So there's no narrative connection to it. I don't think the real-time elements work very well. And I feel like um, the graphics actually harm the game somewhat. If you take a look at this game on Google or something, it's like there are so many background elements that it's hard to tell what's going on rather than just having it be a clean interface of where you know exactly where you can move and where you can't and what's dangerous and what's not. Some things are just like window dressing, but it looks like it's a thing or sometimes it's not, or sometimes it is. And sometimes um, there's like a fog of war going on, which uh, I feel ambivalent about, but I felt like the, the, the graphics are just kind of muddled. It's not as clear and as sharp as I would like it to be. Because in a game like this, and especially like in a roguelike-ish sort of game, or in a turn-based game like this, I really need to know where can I move, what are my obstacles, where are the enemies at? Like, you need a really clear sense of situational awareness. And I feel like this is just, they're, they're working too hard to make it look pretty, but that prettiness just detracts from the gameplay. I think it is an impediment to gameplay, which I do not care for. Um, you end up wandering around a lot. Uh, the map ha is on a separate uh, screen. I wish it was in the corner so you could just see where you're going more quickly. So the map is kind of a pain to use. And you just kind of wander around. You just kind of wander around, pick up scientists every now and then, um, you know, avoid enemies. And like when you get into a tight situation, that's where I think the game shines best. Like let's say you're flying around, you get into a cavern, and then there's like two different types of enemies plus some scientists you need to rescue. So you need to figure out how do I navigate this enemy who grabs me with his tongue? And I also need to navigate this enemy who shoots a projectile at me. Plus there's a stalactite. And so like the moment to moment, like step-by-step um, -step movement and taking into account those things, I think works really well. And that's when I think it shines. That's when it feels most like a roguelike in terms of how you control it. Um, but a lot of that is, it, it doesn't happen that often. Like you're just kind of flying around, picking up dudes, looking for little secret passageways, just kind of, I don't know, noodling around in space in these caverns, and it just doesn't feel that great. It feels kind of aimless. Uh, it, I don't feel very driven, and it's interesting because I I do like it, and I kind of chip away at it a little bit, but like when I put it down, I feel no compulsion to come back to it, and honestly, I forget it. So I feel like there's the core of something good here. I feel like if they took this same 2D spaceship turn-based idea and just really drilled down on that, or like really focused on that, gave us a reason to play, 
gave us a little bit more stakes, maybe focused a little bit more on some of the um, puzzle-like encounters with the enemies and stuff. I think that would be a pretty compelling experience. As it is, it just feels kind of like six of one, half dozen of another. And I just don't really get excited by it. I don't really feel magnetized to it. I don't feel like I want to come back to it. But I, I appreciate on some level what it's doing. Uh, but like many of the other games on the show today, it just does not feel like it gets where it's going to. Um, three out of the four games covered today do not feel like they get where they're going to, which is kind of a shame. Um, but it's not a total disaster. I just I just wish it was a little sharper and a little more focused. So Nova 111 uh, put a couple hours into that and, you know, kind of liked it. But honestly, uh, I walked away from it and I felt no desire to come back. So it got deleted pretty quickly. And that is going to do it for this week's show. The shortest show ever. I am moving through this show at light speed. Um, all I have left to cover is the last portion of our show. Just a couple of non-games things. A couple things before we go here. Uh, number one, started watching the Netflix series Pacific Rim The Black Season 2. Uh, like I mentioned last episode, I'm kind of back into Pacific Rim. Always like Pacific Rim. Uh, the movie and the property and the concept, Jaegers versus Kaiju, is awesome. I'm a big fan of Guillermo del Toro. So uh, I rewatched Pacific Rim the Black last week, and I thought season one was stronger on a second viewing. I was emboldened to keep going with season two, and that so far has been really good. So if you like Pacific Rim, check that out. I think it's worth watching, especially like on a repeat view when I was kind of... Um, more open to spending some time thinking about it a little bit more. And I wasn't just looking for kind of um, slam bang robot action. But speaking of slam bang robot action, I went back to the original Pacific Rim and watched it last night for probably the 17th time. And man, that movie kicks ass. That is absolutely one of my favorite sci-fi movies of the last, I don't know what, 20 years, probably. I think it's just so fucking good seeing the giant robot Jaegers just kick ass in Hong Kong, punching those giant kaiju monsters. I mean, dude, what else can you ask for? I fucking love it. The only bummer about that movie is um, two of the initial four Jaegers, the giant robots, get blown up pretty quickly. Like, basically in the first battle, which sucks! Because they look so cool, and I want to see them fight some more, and I just I, it blows that they get killed in the first battle. Uh, Cherno Alpha, the Russian uh, Jaeger, and Crimson Typhoon, the Chinese Jaeger, are both fucking rad as hell. I got the action figures. They look great. Um, I just I want to see those guys kicking ass some more and it fucking sucks that they get killed so fast. So that blows. But otherwise, Pacific Rim, the movie is great. I love it. And you should check out the black as well. I love Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim fanboy. Uh, the only other thing I've watched this week is Creamery season two. The wife and I finished it. I uh, talked a little bit about it last week. This is the um, dystopian post post apocalyptic future where the apocalypse was simply that every man on Earth died. So it wasn't like bombs or nuclear waste or virus or anything. Uh, well, virus maybe, but but basically every man on Earth drops dead. It's only a female society left. And uh, what happens is there is one man who shows up out of nowhere uh, into this female populated world, causes a lot of chaos. And these three women are trying to protect him and just to see where this goes. It's comedy. It's also sci fi. It's a little dark. It's a little funny. It's a good balance of those elements. Uh, I think Creamery is great. It's spelled C-R-E-M-E-R-I-E. -E. Finished season two. Uh, that was a wild season. It went a few places I didn't expect it to go, and I feel like it ended really well. Um, I want to say that there should be a season three. I feel like one more season, and they could wrap up the entire story perfectly, but I don't know if season three is going to happen. I don't know how well it was doing in terms of numbers. I think it filmed like during COVID, and I think there were some issues with COVID filming, 
and I believe Series 2 wrapped up, I want to say, two years ago, and I don't know that there have been any announcements for a Season 3, which is a bummer, but that said, Seasons 1 and 2, 100% still worth watching. I think they're great, uh, and I, I definitely recommend those. So, all right, folks, that's it. Shortest show ever. That's all I've got to cover this week. Um, thank you very much for listening, and this is the show. As always, send me your questions and comments. Hit me up, so many games podcast at gmail.com. Hit me up individually. Uh, I'm on every platform. Basically, it's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And this is going to do it for episode 348. Carlos will be back next week. We have another slate of games to cover. And uh, we'll get to that when we get to that. But for now, uh, that's all she wrote, folks. Thank you again for joining me here on the So Video Games Podcast. And we'll see you next week.